In this episode, Ryan and I discuss the agent-client relationship, and we covered an awful lot of ground doing it. Hope you enjoy. All right, welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. You know, in Long About Here, I normally say, oh, well, we don't have a topic as usual. It's unscripted. <laughs> and I say that for a couple of reasons, because actually we do have a topic. It's true. <laughs> Today, we have a topic. Yeah. But uh, look, Julie pointed out to me, she's, she said, you know, you say that all the time. And then in the intro, you say, oh, you know, we talk about this, 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 and this. And so I know you are good listeners have, they already know this, right? Figured it out. And, but normally we don't, I don't shoot the intro until after we've had a discussion because literally we sit down 99.9% of the time without a topic. So I can't shoot the intro until after we finished accurately. That makes sense. We do prepare somewhat. I mean, I have notes. You have, this is a groundbreaking moment in the history of banking with life. I mean, there's a <laughs> full screen full of notes over there. That's impressive. It's double and triple space. It's almost like we've got things to say. All right. So what, what's the topic there, young Mr. Grip? Well, I've Mr. Got a, I get a lot of questions uh, from potential clients, so prospects, uh, suspects, people who, tire kickers, all sorts of people. The accuser of the brethren. <laughs> uh, and a thing that comes up regularly, so we recently did, so I think on May 1 of 2020, we released an episode about the business owner. That was that yesterday. had come up with, right. Um, okay. But we don't know when people are listening to this. <laughs> well, today's May 2nd, it's all I'm saying. And so they, so questions had come up from clients about IBC in the business context, so we addressed it there. And sort of a similar lead up to the topic today is that I've been getting questions as more and more people contact us, want to start the infinite banking concept, about what the relationship between the advisor or the agent and the client looks like, right? Before the sale, after the sale, you know, on into the future, what the fees are, you know, is it going to cost people anything to maintain some sort of relationship? Sure. You know, maybe what the legal, you know, we're not lawyers, thank God, but, uh, you know, what some of the legal ramifications could be or the restrictions, right? Those are the kind of things that come up. So I wanted to talk about that. You wanted to talk about the advisor-client relationship in general? Yeah. That's pretty broad. I mean, that's pretty murky. Oh, thanks. On, on purpose. <laughs> so perfect. Um, yeah. Okay. So let me ask you that. What do you tell? What do you tell people when someone says, uh, "James, what's this look like? Like, are you going to disappear off into the sunset after you get paid your giant insurance company commission?" <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in, in the that that's a whole other topic or question. Yep. You know, James, how do you get paid? I I address that very directly mm-hmm. um and i have on you know the the podcast and the episodes i love all the positive comments that i get james we're crystal clear you're a capitalist thank you <laughs> <laughs> um that's good there should be no mistake about it yeah and i believe in profits i think profits is what other than jesus christ that has been the most fundamental change on the face of this earth so hey huh i love it okay and i mean that so uh you know the the 
there's really so much to be said on that. I want to say too, from the beginning, that you know I'm a licensed life insurance agent. People who write life insurance have a life insurance license or some kind of an insurance license, and there are multiple, you know, types of license variable. You know where you can write variable universal life and variable annuities. Then you have life only. You have life and health, health and accident. And There's, a lot of the states are different in all, what they, what the particular coverage is in a given license. Yeah, but you can you can they're they're pretty pretty they're similar enough, right? So there's like I'm I might be licensed and and let me say that too that the states regulate life insurance mm-hmm. right they're the ones that issue these licenses and have their requirements whatever their educational requirements are to issue the license and then their uh, continuing ed requirements mm-hmm. you know a certain amount of you know required uh, coursework whether it's in class or online is required every two years now and it used to be annually so every state is a little bit different no question the cost is different and there's a cost associated with every state that you do business Gotta in. pay the toll taker oh my gosh um it's quite expensive you know more 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 expensive than most people realize yeah i average it out when i think it's like sixty five hundred or seven thousand dollars to be licensed in every state you know yeah I mean, you're like a home office guy going to tell you all the numbers. Why did you have to tell me how much it cost? I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, it costs season. what it costs. Uh, um, so the the states issue the licenses. They have their requirements. And, and I got a bone to pick about that. But, um, okay. So if you're writing or selling, if you're a life insurance agent, you have to have those licenses. And you have to be in compliance. Um and then it, there there may be someone in in the financial world in general, you know, you have the registered rep who writes mutual funds, Series Six, Series mm-hmm. Sixty Three, the state license in Texas at Sixty Three to offer variable products, and and that's a whole another another different uh, a different regulatory body, you know, and it's like compliance to the nth degree. Talk about uh, anti capitalist, yeah, um, the amount of regulation, the amount of time it takes for a financial advisor, agent advisor to just remain in compliance mm-hmm. is very time consuming, very costly. Um, but my point being here is that not every financial advisor or every agent wants to practice in every field. Yeah, right? no, thank you. Exactly. There's, you know, the, the quote unquote fee only planner, which we can have a whole episode on that. You know, they may not want to write life insurance. Or the life insurance agent may not want to write, you know, annuities or variable products or mutual funds or whatever. And then there's always the individual in every industry that wants to be all things to all people and do everything. Oh, yeah. Right. Especially if they don't know what to do. Right. Right. That's Uh, what all the big major marketing programs are all about at these giant captive companies. At least that's what I endured when I... Oh my gosh! Mistakenly enjoined one for a short period of time. Different companies and and people in the industry obfuscate the. There is no there is no clarity. There's a complete lack of clarity of who does what, who regulates what, and 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 there are entities out there that take full advantage of that. The consumer does. You know, how's a consumer to know what you do, right? Other than they can right. go and check your licenses and. You know they can they can they can do a background check on you. They can do whatever vetting they want to do, right? Um, but if you're not clear on what you do, 
you, the advisor, the agent on what you do and what to expect in this relationship, um, you know, it's not really being of service or to the, to the client, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. All right. So. And you mentioned, so you mentioned that word compliance and part, part of what irritates me and I have a story to tell as well. Oh, oh perfect. I, I have a few myself. You're familiar with it too, but I haven't told it publicly yet. Oh. Um, First Amendment, free speech, right? Just so that everyone's very clear in the financial world, there is no free speech. Um, there's various regulations on forms of quote unquote advertising or marketing uh, about that, that regulates very specifically to the word what you can call yourself depending on which license you have. Oh, yeah. The kind of language you can use. When it comes to, and this is what irritates me because we were watching well i won't be specific but we were you forced me to watch that <laughs> look they come up on choice. my feed on youtube and it's like and you see it four or five different times like okay fine i'll watch this video you know other who people who? what comes up on your feed? I, don't, I don't know who they are but there's other people who are talking about infinite banking concept related things or, sometimes oh. they tweak a word right so it might be infinite banking process system right? or infinite banking system and we have to distinguish ourselves for marketing purposes i just ugh, can't get it off me fast enough <laughs> but hey, so i love the way they talk about nelson nash and like they knew him it's yeah the but, one you forced me to see <laughs> yesterday it's like god bless you and you know i at least he's read the book and, and, and let me be clear about this. Or he references the book. It's not about particular individuals or personalities, right? I could care less about the particular people who put forth uh, regurgitated, diluted, watered-down versions of becoming your own banker in IBC. It's not about particular people. And lo and behold, there's a little thing called disparagement in the financial industry where it's, you know, you can be sued for disparaging another individual. And so- Well, we live in America, you can be sued for anything. Exactly, and this is just one particular <laughs> manifestation of that. And so for people like myself, who we care very much about the integrity of the concept and what exactly Nelson taught and what people should be doing now here 20 years later after the, or 40 or 60 or whenever you're watching, after the publication of Nelson's book in the year 2000. Um, but so for people like me who care about the integrity of the concept and doing it correctly, you know, I, I can't, I, this is a side note, but the, the idea that, <laughs> you know, we're just going to, that, that, that it would be desirable to have an agent or advisor who's just going to do whatever the client wants. Right, this idea that you could just come up with something, the, a particular member of the public comes up with something and they're going to instruct the, the professional advisor on how to design the policy on the particular company that they want. Oh, do, it's you, like, get, do you get people instructing you on what to do? Oh, I get attempts. And then it's like, are they the general public? Or are they some agent that's like recently to... yesterday, this happened through LinkedIn. Uh, it, it was a, a client of another agent. And that's really where it comes from most. And I think what's uh, going on there, not in all cases, but when I get those kinds of messages and it happens frequently, mm -hmm. like multiple times a week, did they even listen to you? I mean, did they listen to you talk and do they read what you write? 
I don't think so. Because if they did, I mean, all the questions that are asked, the answers to them are addressed elsewhere. Like, we've talked right. about it. Right. It's on my Medium blog. It's somewhere. Uh, so it's, no, probably not. Okay. But And I think what's happening is that they're looking for validation for what they've been told. Sure. And Which is understandable. I mean, I <laughs> if you feel that you need validation, then you probably need validation. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and I empathize, you know, uh, and, and this is important too, like that the, the transactional basis of the advisor or agent and client relationship has to include, I'm talking specifically within IBC, specifically within the sale of dividend paying whole life insurance, it has to include the insurance company. The insurance company pays a commission to the agent, right? It's how food gets put on the table and rent gets paid, right? If that entity is not in place, then we're talking about charity, right? And I'm a charitable person. I've done CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocates. You should look it up, by the way. I'm re I've recently been triggered by the amount of uh, child abuse that's been caused by the state's response to this year's flu season. <laughs> I don't want to get into that, but, and so I've been rejoining yeah. and I do meals on wheels. Like I do think I'm right. a charitable person, but this is business. And as you mentioned at the outset, it's okay to make a profit. Oh my gosh. You know, it's the you know engine of well, are, capitalist are, do, do commerce. Do you think these um, individuals are reaching out to you and telling you how to construct a policy because they're concerned of you or concerned about you making money or an income or too much? Or no, I think they really want just validation. What, what they're, what they already own and what they're already paying premium on. I want they they want that to be validated. Oh, so they want to like a, they want you to armchair quarterback whatever they've yes. already done. Second opinion, right? And here's why: Are they sending <laughs> checks with that? Of course not. <laughs> of course not. I'm just asking. Of course not. And I, and and on the one hand, it's like it's funny that it's like oh, you just so you want you just want something for nothing, right? Which is one of the things that sets me clear off, right? <laughs> the idea that getting something for nothing, refusing to pay your dues, mm -hmm. agents I train are aware of that. I spoke about it at the think tank. And I just, oh, I can't, I don't, can't do it. Yeah. And, but uh, so I feel that way on the one hand. On the other hand, it's like, well, we haven't done this episode. We haven't talked about what the advisor client relationship should look like or what it does look like in our case, right? Or your case or my case. Because, and another fact there, another little observation. The nature of the agent client relationship varies agent to agent, right? Some people, I hear, it's rumored, <laughs> uh, uh, pitch product, right? Normally this involves selling from the illustration, so here's this nice little wall of numbers. You're specifically talking about life insurance or the infinite banking concept footprint? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. I am talking specifically about individuals who hypothetically use the same sort of terminology. And, <laughs> uh, and we've talked at, ad nauseum about life insurance illustrations. I have clients, right. prospective clients, reach out to us daily, and, and they... They like, they understand. Uh, and I love that. Oh my gosh. I love that. I mean, they understand what the life insurance illustration is and they understand, they recognize the noise yeah. uh, that, that exists in the big wide world. 
So it's a red flag in my book, and I'm not. It's my opinion, whatever the appropriate <laughs> caveat is. That's the disclosure. And, <laughs> in my book, if there, if the language, because I got an email this past week oh, from a new person. Stories from the front lines. You know, he, he he had engaged, and this is kind of a, a tricky situation, right? There, the the per, the part the perspective. If I could talk, the perspective client has already initiated a conversation with another agent or advisor. They had started the application process. An application for life, for life insurance had already been submitted. The medical examination or paramedical examination had already been done. And then they discover banking with life. <laughs> and then That's, they reach out. And that, that happens, happens quite often. Way more often than yeah. I ever expected. Well, you should, you know, we should put some money behind this and promote it so more people can see it sooner. I don't know. I take a lot of pride in the fact that every click is organic and legitimate. No question. There's no spammy I was kidding, haunting. I'm the, not yeah. going to promote it. Yeah, good. Right. Or, or with money, uh, whatever. So this this particular okay. individual, and this and this is not this is uh, happens a lot. This is nothing unique about this particular ind individual, but because it happens so frequently. But the content of the message sent up red flags all over the place. You know, I've received. Uh, quotes, so the word quotes, red yeah. flag, from multiple companies. Okay, so another red flag, right? We're just casting applications out ad nauseum. And then what, what's really going on is that we're then comparing based on the illustration and the, the hypothetical advisor is doing that in order to give some indication that there's some sort of expert sales process going on, right? We're comparing the options and properly evaluating the alternatives, right? And this is what that's supposed to look like. Uh, and, and of course, using illustrations, which are not contracts, which, you know, you could drive a truck through. Uh, so red flags all over the place, right? Things like quotes, uh, sending out applications to multiple company without cause. It's like, so I get that email and I'll, I'll so I give, I'll, I'll do 20 minutes, 20 minute phone call with anybody who wants to, right? Um, and we'll go on from there and I'll cover some potential next steps depending upon your circumstances. Uh, and so we had a phone call and reviewed this and I'm like, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, you know, um, in my opinion, in that case. And so I think we'll move forward with this individual, but it's, my point in all of this is that I want the listener and future callers to be aware that, for instance, if you ask me what does you know what do you think of person X or oh, yeah. marketing program Y, right? I I mean I can't tell you what I'd be thinking because <laughs> <laughs> I typically it just ha I I don't wake up in the morning and. Imagine to myself, how can I be negative today? I really don't, but that's good. I don't have that's many positive. positive things to say about a lot of the reinterpretations of what Nelson did. I just don't. Yeah. And and at the at the end of the day, I don't know what other agents or advisors are doing in their business. Right. That's why we don't endorse anybody in particular. Um, I I don't have a you know a microscope into their business practices. Uh, now I have seen what other advisors have done in the form of, you know, you see we have a policies built on the illustrations that get sent and it's not pretty, but that, you know, I, 
Anyway. I well, just, if they were happy wherever they're at or whoever they're engaged with, they might not be reaching out to you. Right. Right. So, but I understand what you're saying. And, and, and it, my experience is uh, an awful lot of the times the consumer, the, the all-American individual that's vetting this and researching, quote unquote, this idea, they really don't know what questions to ask. They don't know what they're looking at necessarily yeah. on a life insurance uh, illustration. And if we can all read numbers and we can all do math, and I'm not just talking about that, but you know, you can't see what's going on behind the numbers of that illustration unless you're in the industry and have experience. And quite often, a lot of people in the industry don't understand the product, the company, the design, the writers, either. So, and I'm not being disparaging. I mean, everybody here has an opportunity to improve their understanding. Uh, Everybody here has an opportunity to learn. And so, and including me, I don't know everything. I'm still a student, but um, I seem to remember a former guest had a little correction for you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Mitchell. Uh, yeah, he referenced episode 45. Yeah, and uh, and I think I accepted the correction. I thought uh, it was. Yeah, I thought it was very good, <clears throat> and it was heartfelt and meaning. I mean, yeah. if I had to sit in front of a judge on this side. It would be him, mm-hmm. right? On the other side, you know, I, I know the judge right. that I'll sit in front of. So anyway, you know, in, in this idea of relationship between advisor and client, that really, uh, there's, a, there's a lot there. In the industry, you know, different regulatory bodies provide certain or different licenses, right? Depending on how broad the practice is or what, what financial products are gonna be used. Um, or purchased, and then some, like uh, some individuals want want to have all the licenses and to to, to do all things. Um, others just want a very specific, narrow practice and, and specialize in a particular area. And exactly, <laughs> um, but that being what it is, you know, I have seen over the last year or so, and and I get on Facebook, you know, the Facebook game has increased greatly since this coronavirus, right? Everybody's staying at home and creating these uh, beautiful memes. So I, yeah. <laughs> I repost a meme every now and then. But other than that, I don't engage a lot on social media. Um, but I have seen these advertisements of financial advisors or agents, and they're talking about the fiduciary rule mm. or the suitability. It's like, oh, well, this advisor is better than that advisor because they're held to a higher standard the fiduciary compared to the suitability. I see. And this is not a comprehensive, I'm not an attorney and I'm full disclosure here, I don't offer equities um, outside of Red Hawk Wealth Advisors and there'll be a disclaimer here and a, the, the appropriate uh, <sighs> yeah, regulatory requirements. <laughs> but the bottom line is, you know, suitability is age, income, is it suitable? Is a product suitable, right? Fiduciary, go look up and, and search the word fiduciary and you discover what the definition of fiduciary is. I don't know, but the rabbit hole that I've been down is like, that'll be determined when you're in court. Yep. All right, and and, it, and it's, uh, the definition of fiduciary will evolve as the court cases evolve. So it's like, move on. If you're a grown adult, right, you should be able to, in my opinion, do a background history or check on the individual you want to engage with. I don't care if they're building your pool. Mm. Okay, I mean, we all have a history. Right? Yeah. We all have uh, 
a history. Yeah. And, and you got to spend an awful lot of money to hide it today, from my understanding. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've heard stories of people trying to wipe their history off the digital face. And it's like, well, God bless you. What'd you do that you have to do that? Okay. My point being is you should interview whom you're working with. I know you interview. I know we interview. Like when, when clients call and engage us or prospective clients, they feel very much like they're interviewing us and they really don't know how. Right. And which leads to that here I have some illustrations here. Mm-hmm. I've talked to this individual or this individual or that individual. And they're all saying these things like Nelson Nash or the infinite banking concept or, you know, using a little these, vocabulary sheet that's yeah, going down the buzzwords. Yeah. Of course, uh, you can continue to listen to them and they'll, they'll, their language will give them away because they'll talk about things that they don't know. Mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. and they'll use words like um deposit you know yeah account savings account plan four percent guaranteed <laughs> you know velocity yes. HELOC. oh my gosh and then it's like <laughs> so my point being is look the, there's different regulatory bodies for the different types of products that are sold and purchased um and you should just do your homework in my opinion right and we can all do that and in fact on that point of doing your homework i rely on no question the individual no question to at times read between the lines uh do their homework watch it doesn't hurt to watch the podcast that's why i point people to the book you know when i first got into the business and went to the first nelson nash institute think tank and heard these other advisors Say an agent say, you know, you got to read the book, got to read the book. Everybody's got to read the book. I'm like, come on, really? <laughs> I mean, I'm hungry. a lot of people say that, <laughs> uh, but it's the most crucial thing because it's the one. It's the source, right? If you're going to make any kind of significant decision in life, but it's maybe even especially a financial one, it doesn't hurt to go to the source, right? Might even be necessary. So it's okay to go to the man who came up with the concept and read what he said about it, right? And that does a lot, right? It gets us on the same page as far as vocabulary is concerned. Listen, it, he, he uh, if I interject here, that book was printed in 2000. He became a licensed life insurance agent, Nelson Nash, in 1964. His brother was a licensed life insurance agent prior to that. Nelson paid for his first life insurance policy at age 14. He purchased his own policies right, at age 20 and 21 and continued. Yeah. And he was paying $18,000 a year in premium in 1980. Now extrapolate that number out to today and, uh, you know, that'll separate the men from the boys. Okay. Absolutely. The man knew something about life insurance. He also knew something about real estate, leverage, other people's money. Um, and, and he knew something about cash flows. Mm-hmm. All right. So I agree with you. There's no question that you've got to go to the book. If somebody says, oh, I've written this book, and there's tons of books out there that uh, talk them. about it. It's another variation, Me Too, and some are just outright bastardizations. And, and I'm, you know, I enjoy those about like you do. I think that they should go find some good work to do. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm being generous, but um, you can also go to the Nelson Nash Institute, infinitebanking.org, and buy his eight-hour seminar. Yeah. Because you're never going to have the opportunity to listen to that man deliver that on this side, right? And he's probably not delivering it on the other side. (laughs) So go purchase that, $150, $200. I don't 
Huh? 200. Okay. Go spend that money. And oh my gosh, half of the agents, advisors, the people that can spell IBC to have a life insurance <laughs> license, you should do the same thing. You know, David will let you purchase that and read it or watch it as well. Yep. And, you know, I'm not, I don't want to make a blanket statement that every life insurance agent or advisor that can spell IBC is a bad guy. Right. I'm not saying that. That's, you know, that's going to be the accusation too. Oh, James and Ryan are trying please, to put everybody down. Read the book, watch his eight hour seminar before you designate yourself as an authority. Yeah. And that is a good uh, caveat to make is that I don't, I'm not putting everybody down. I mean, I can't help but see what we see online. Right, so that's what's there, and that it makes me feel a type of way. <laughs> but there's also people who are, I don't know for certain, but I have no reason not to believe that they're doing legitimate work. Of course, there's a lot. There, of course. Um, and the other side of that, too, is, you know, we get calls every day, day in and day out. These, these are future clients are educated. Yeah. I mean, they're calling James. I've watched, you know, Humpteen Hours. I've listened to Humpteen Hours and it makes sense. I have a couple of questions. Would you clarify? Or they don't have any questions. They're telling me uh, what they understand and, and I'm impressed. Yeah. Right? So good job. I mean, I'm, I think our listeners, our good listeners are the smartest across the footprint of the infinite banking concept. Absolutely. I mean, there's no question. But look, talking about, I want to, I want to talk about fiduciary and suitability for a minute because I'm, I'm, a, I'm an investment advisor and there's disclosures, disclaimers down there. I'm not giving investment advice on this podcast whatsoever. I'm not giving legal advice. I'm not giving, and we don't give tax advice, legal advice, or investment advice. We're having a conversation about the infinite banking concept, which encompasses life insurance with dividend paying life uh, insurers. Uh, mutual companies and then we're talking about all the other products we're not telling you to buy or sell anything other than educational material we're encouraging you to purchase that okay all right that's my uh, audio disclosure <laughs> in in my history 1991 is when i became licensed as a life insurance agent gosh i wasn't even born yet <laughs> I know. Listen, hey, I'm 56. It's the new 36, okay? Okay. All right. <laughs> I can outwork you, dude. I believe that. Okay. Um, and when I got licensed, you know, I went to work with a Fortune 500 company that owned mutual funds and the front end mutual load, uh, mutual funds, the front end load was 8.5%. Okay, and and that was the norm. It was kind of the the the, the back end of that, you know, uh, and and fees, you know, lessened. Um, but then, and I bought into this buy term and invest the difference. So the Fortune 500 company that I went to work for, who's still quite profitable today, they owned mutual funds and life insurance companies and wrote term insurance. And my whole point being that you know you had to be properly licensed, okay, and 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 I've given up most of those licenses, right? I mean, I'm I'm like, yeah, I'm not interested, you know. I, I, I was um, educated by the industry. I mean, I have lots of education as far as uh, the prerequisite requirement for the certified financial planners designation, but I do not have a bachelor's degree, and I'm not going to go get a bachelor's degree. Um, and, and, and I'm not even disparaging education. I greatly respect education. Um, there's a difference between formal education 
an informal education, right? And I'm speaking from a a position of experience, my experience. Um, So going through all of the variations of the licenses that I've had and the different types of practices or my, the form, my practice, the form of my practice has changed over time and the, and the focus on what services I've tried to provide. Um, I have done a lot of reading on fiduciary. What is the fiduciary standard? And I'm encouraging you, go search it out. It is not clear. So when you see these marketing things on Facebook and social media, trying to disparage an agent or advisor who who is not licensed to sell equities of some of any sort, and they're writing life insurance or annuities or whatever it is they're writing, they're held to the suitability standard, right? As opposed to the fiduciary standard, which is very vague and not clear. Mm -hmm. And so you have these designations, these companies that provide designations, and the advisor pays for that designation. That's all that is. Mm -hmm. I'm paying for this designation so I can use this designation. And then there's all kinds of squabbling in-house with these different providers of these designations. And And it's like, Oh my gosh, it's like one financial guru trying to one-up another financial guru. And I ask quite often, how many financial gurus have you ever met that doesn't already know everything? (laughs) I'm just saying, and I'm not, I don't want to make a blanket statement. That was just a direct question. (laughs) My, My point being is the consumer should have the ability to determine whether they should do business with an individual or not. And I'm not saying it's always very easy to do that, Mm. okay? Um, But just because somebody has a particular license doesn't mean that's a green flag or a red flag. Oh, my gosh. Well, the life insurance license in particular, speaking from my own experience, (laughs) I mean, it's like – a driver's license? Freshman, entry-level English midterm, if that. Oh. I mean, I've taken more difficult tests in middle school. And, I mean, <laughs> the con- on the continuing education thing, I mean, you got to take these certain courses to accumulate enough credits to fulfill this requirement. Oh, wait, the bone? The, the, I, can I pick a bone on that before I forget? Okay. And, and hold your... <laughs> I got you. Okay. Uh, back in the day... You know, licensed in 1991. After 20 years of continuous uh, license in good standing, you were supposed to be grandfathered, right? Where mm. you wouldn't have to take continuing education, you know, four, eight, 20, 30. I think every state is a little bit different, but in Texas, it's 30 hours. Back then, it was 30 hours of continuing education every two years, right? Through approved providers for well, a fee. I zoomed right past the 20 years. And then they came out in 2008, they came out with a, a new uh, suitability requirements and, and, and annuity requirements and other requirements for this continuing education. So after 20 years, I'm grandfathered, but then I have to take like 16 or 20 hours of new stuff. And it's like, uh, wow, I feel a little bit gypped. Make up your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I get yeah, it. It costs that- a lot of money to run that department yeah and pay all those bureaucrats <laughs> salaries uh but the the nature of the coursework nowadays at least here in 2020 right it's i do all mine online right they say the i think the law i don't know right but i think the law says something about 
in person or in class I think you assignments. have to do some. Yeah, well, there's online versions oh, that yeah. okay. meet that standard, yep. which square that away from me. It's like social distancing. It's like that's a oh my oxymoron gosh. if I ever heard one. But, okay, so it's all online, and in each course, there's an exam at the end, a quote-unquote exam at the end, right, where there is a link at every question that will take you to the material the question's asking about, and at the top of the page is a keyword search box no way. where you can search for the question and go right to the answer. You're going to have to send me that link. I'm like... Oh yeah, oh, I've got a. I mean, that's, that's better than an open book. Oh, it, quiz. It's, yeah, it's not even open. <laughs> I mean, it's it's basically here's the question, here's the potential answers, and here's the answer. Wow! Like you get to practice Seriously? reading and clicking on the thing that you just searched. I'm dead serious. Wow! That's the level of scrutiny in this licensure world, as a in particular it, life insurance in Texas. In May 2020, in my experience, I've read an article a couple of days ago. It's some kind of it was an industry article, and they were talking about this one particular company that has uh, like 173,000 advisors or agents. Oh my gosh! Right? And they're mainly life insurance. And they're a stock company, so they're doing all these reportings, and uh, they're. <clears throat> they're in trouble, uh, not not as an insurance industry or, or uh, uh, as an insurance company, but as a marketing organization, they're um, ish, they're they're experiencing some interruptions in business because the ability to get a, a temporary license oh uh, is difficult with with the auditing places or you know you have to go in class to get your original license mm-hmm. all right um and it's and it's audited you know there's somebody there um and since those proctored places, is the form proctored the that that's yes. the word i was looking for um thanks i can count on you for those ten dollar words i appreciate that <laughs> no problem okay so they're proctored exams and those facilities are being shut down so now they can't get a license for their uh sales force all right. Is, In an is, industry that's deemed essential. Yes. And, and just reading through these numbers, the, their average part-time advisor, right, who's working on a temporary license, and they're trying to get these states to acquiesce to their need for easy temporary licenses. Temporary license, 60, 90 days, right? So mm-hmm. their field force can go sell things and not have a permanent license. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, going through the numbers, their average advisor uh, sold 0.8 policies per month. All right. <clears throat> now, they've got a temporary license, right? zero experience, and they're out foisting their ideas and their products on the unsuspecting American public. Mm. And I'm going to be a little harsh here for a moment because I'm just calling it what it is. All right. I've been in this industry over. 29 years and uh, you know it's caveat emptor it's a it's buyer beware don't I'm not that's clear yeah okay so you should do your homework there's no question and that's my encouragement it reminds me uh, several years ago I'm at a family gathering my family is very open and inviting and receptive right so if I brought you know 
a string of friends to say Thanksgiving, my whole family would treat them like family. Mm-hmm. That's the way we are. Um, I was at a family gathering several years ago, Thanksgiving, and an individual came as a friend of some family member, and a young individual. And he has been uh, a barista at you know, the most common high-end coffee house that's sweeping the country, very liberal, out of the West Coast North, somewhere. Northwestern United States. Yes. <laughs> and a great young man, right? No, great young guy. He was so excited after two or three years of being an expert barista that he went for to work at a big wire house. Right? The one, a big, a big house that like a household name financial company financial company that is uh manages probably more 401ks than any other company in the country all right and he was so excited after six weeks of training he was an expert so he got his series six series seven six weeks of training and now he's on the phone right and an expert on qualified plans and retirement planning and all that. And what can I say? You know, I'm just like, yeah, God bless you. You know, I'm sure they have great benefits. All right. <clears throat> now fast forward here. This is 2020. That was several years ago. And he since changed to the second or third largest house, you know, competitor mm-hmm. that takes care of the majority of the 401k, the plan documents and every 401k across America. But now he's got a couple of years of experience. So, yep. you know, all right. Uh, I was informed a couple of weeks ago, a young advisor who's been uh, at at uh, as who who's been working with is an employee of one of these big retirement company houses had to take a leave of absence in the last few weeks, and now they've been employed for a couple of years, right? A 401k expert, retirement planning expert after six weeks of training and then on the floor, you know, on the job training for a couple of years, had to take a leave of absence, medical leave of absence, because it couldn't handle the the interaction with the clients calling in and the devastation. Oh, wow. Of Because they've lost so much money oh, in their wow. retirement accounts, the representative, still employed, but is on leave of absence. And I've never thought about that in my whole career. Wow. And now we've all watched two or three market meltdowns, yeah. you know, in the last 20 years. And it's like, wow. Yeah. Um, hmm. So, and of course these young individuals, they have, you know, bachelors and lots of education and mm-hmm. like not much experience. Anyway, I'm just sharing. Yeah. That's wild. I story from the front line. Yeah. And we just had, I mean, here, here in May 2020, we just had a ma- major market correction. Was it first quarter, beginning of second quarter yeah. this year? That's why this individual had to take a leave of absence. It was through this last meltdown. Couldn't handle the interaction with their clients calling Which, in yeah. and sharing the devastation that that correction has caused them. Man, yeah. I and feel then, sad for all of them. Oh, it's not good. So I think experience counts for an awful lot is my, yeah. my whole point here. Yeah. You know, licenses are important. They matter. Regulation. You well, know, and I'll exist. say this, and, and mentorship. Uh, really, I like, I've been thinking about this recently because I've had some interactions with newer agents. I, I like the idea of apprenticeship 
better than mentorship. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm having a mentor and maybe having a model is even better than a mentor, but both are important. But then having a, an apprenticeship style training where it's, you know, someone who's new, because this is, this bothers me. I have my whole life have been the youngest guy in the room. Sure. Right. And immediately, and I have clients who are twice my age and they don't bat an eye. You know, it's a mature, high level conversation. And I'm very grateful for that because it's no problem. I mean, that's normal course of business, but you know, you're sitting in the business club or the chamber of commerce and, you know, people think age means just per se an advanced expertise. And it's like, there are people who are three, four times my age. And it's like the flow of education is going in the reverse direction. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So it's, I'm, I just want to say as a still relatively young in the industry, you can be young and do this correctly. No question. You can find somebody, uh, hint, hint, and, <laughs> and learn the proper method. And, and a, a, a consumer shouldn't necessarily be thrown off just by the age of the... And I, I genuinely believe that most potential consumers aren't biased in that direction. And the ones who are... I don't even know if I'm so wild to have a conversation. You, you know, know, that probably exists, but it, it exists in the opposite um, to some extent. I get questioned an awful lot. James, how old are you? Oh, you know, what, like you're what, out of date? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your exit strategy? You know, what, you know, what happens when you retire? And he says, I'm going to retire. I'm going to be just like my mentor. He graduated at 88 and that's three such unfinished an important, products. That's such an important point to projects. make. Yeah. Just like his mentor graduated at age 85, the night before he was going to deliver a talk in New York City. You know, so um, the modeling, I, I have uh, mentors yeah. that I'm modeling my life after. And, and, and it's okay. I mean, I, I have young people. I love youth. I love knowledge. Um, and I'm not going to leave my clients hanging, walking away with that. I'm not going to. I'm I married a younger Beautiful woman. <laughs> I, the odds of me graduating first are about a hundred percent, approximately. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm not going to leave her wondering, and I'm not going to leave my clients wondering what to do, right. or, or you know, to fend for themselves. That's a legitimate thing to raise, though, because I had just had this conversation this week, you know, and talking about what the relationship looks like after the sale, yep. and, and like what. What what is that? And I don't know what other people do in my yeah, world. Let's get around to the advisor client relationship. <laughs> you get around please. to the topic at minute forty six here. That's uh, why I don't want to pull out a topic in the beginning because you you just never know what it's gonna. Well, up. in my world, it's like okay, we're gonna. There is a set process, a series of calls, of interactions where after you've read the book, where we're gonna cover certain things so that I know that you know by the time an application is submitted to the company, you know what you're asking to buy, why you want to buy it, how you're gonna manage it. Okay. So, so you that, have a process. Yeah, have a process. So that, such that, and I tell people exactly this, so that if I walk out the door tomorrow and get smacked by a truck, you're good. Like you've got the essential information. Are to your beneficiaries up to date? I mean, if you get smacked me? by a truck, you oh, know. Oh, yes. Right. My beneficiaries are up to date, actually. Perfect. Um, 
so that, so that we're all covered, right? Yeah. Um, however, I also recognize that individual policy owners might want to have a conversation about, let's say, the economy, right? Uh, about other financial topics. Now, I have to be really clear here because I'm not allowed, because I don't have the designation you have to pay for to call myself a financial advisor, right? So I'm not a financial advisor, right? But I do study economics. <laughs> so he's a student of economics. An economist, maybe. <laughs> so you might not want the opinion of a financial advisor, or you might, I don't know, I don't care. You, but perhaps an Austrian style perspective on the economy or other things, right? I'm thinking of buying this building or this car, or this asset. Oh, now you, you know, get into consulting, because, right? I mean, that's really consulting. Oh, can I use that word? Can you? Google I don't it. know. <laughs> if you have a client that's going to buy, you know, a, a building or a, a. I call them strategy calls. Okay, strategy calls. I know, they're they're bouncing their ideas off of someone that they like someone that they trust, and someone whose insight they value. Yeah. Right? You might want an opinion from so somebody with my perspective. is that? I, no, a financial consultant is like one of those oh, is boogeyman words that you got to pay some bureaucrat oh, thousands of dollars to use. I didn't say financial consultant. I okay. just said business consultant. Biz that's another one. There's organizations. They've got like, no kidding. it's a minefield. Ooh. Yeah. And that's why <laughs> this cracks me up. If you go and look through a lot of the IVC style people, uh -huh. they all have these different names for themselves. <laughs> uh, strategist. Wealth strategist. I'm a wealth, cash flow strategist. Wealth expert. <laughs> but I'm not knocking anybody. I just think it's peculiar and a little comical. Yeah, it could get ambiguous. I'm just a life insurance agent. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a salesperson. <gasps> I make commissions. Oh, my God. <gasps> yeah. Well, listen, I, I got to tell you, I was uh, sharing with a – an individual a couple of weeks ago and, and some of the you know you talk about red flags earlier I'm gonna close that coming up too. on you know these big books that are written and sent across as disguised as an email mm -hmm. these big lengthy conversations that's a red flag to me that's a red flag yes <laughs> yes <laughs> we gotta talk about that <laughs> lengthy emails my god man I appreciate the thought and everything that goes into it but here's, here's a red flag for me James, I used to be a licensed life insurance agent. I used to be licensed. I do what you do. I'm like, oh, it must not have been very profitable. <laughs> I mean, uh, but and and God bless them. Everybody and their brother has had a life insurance license. They're easy to get. I mean, they are easy to get, and everybody thinks you can make a gazillion dollars and whatever. Um, Boy, and then they've been for you. <laughs> they've been uh, commoditized or or turned into uh, multi level marketing schemes. Right. I mean. Oh my gosh, the industry deserves about every black eye it gets. Okay. Um, but I, I, was, I had a conversation. These, this individual was coming on board and, and he tripped a couple of red flags, you know, and we, so we have a process for And you're so generous. I am. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm not going to cite examples. I don't want to give people ideas, but. Okay. Well, we have a process and, and we have a whole team, you know, right. and we have a great process and a great team. And, and it's really, in my opinion, if I had to be someone's client, I'd want to be my client. Just like I would want to be, if I had to be a dog, I'd want to be my wife's dog. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. Which one? All of them. Just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So I, in conversation, I was saying, and I just said that, you know, my office exists to provide service to our clients. And, yeah. and this guy who was previously licensed. He said, OMG, 
What kind of service does does a policyholder need once a policy's been sold? Ooh. That was a red flag to me. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, uh, well, you don't need any until you're going to take a loan or you're going to go make your next real estate purchase. And then all of a sudden, oh, you know, that availability is going to be extremely important to you. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's the first red flag. He should have never advanced to the through the process. Um, but then the other, well, we have, we have certain red flags, right? And just, you know what, just you just be you. Yeah. Just be nice and be gentle or genteel. And, and a good person, a little weird is okay, right? I mean, a little weird is required. A little weird is good. Required, yeah. right? But um, if I'm, you know, if, if I want to, get my car fixed. Mm. Now, I want to go to a mechanic. If I want to get property built, if I want to get my house built, if I want to get my house remodeled, if I want to go to a clothier, we've talked about that before. If I want to, you know, if I'm going to make a substantial purchase of any kind, um, medical, dental, I just want somebody that I like and that I can trust. But way beyond that, I want them to be able and knowledgeable and capable, mm-hmm. right? Don't practice on me. Don't, you know, just get out of your six-hour training or six-week training mm-hmm. and 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 show me the light, you know. Don't say a few buzzwords. Don't memorize a few buzzwords or memorize a book or two and practice you on me, You just described please. 98% of the industry. That's all it was was script memorizing at that oh large company gosh. that I – endured two weeks at once i remember years ago through training that was a training script memorizing oh my gosh and you can't get that off of you, you. can't and and that's this is just an example of what you can't get off of yeah. you. the training in the financial world mm. it is appalling all right thanks for letting me share that so i'm going to close that loop on the strategy calls like i need your permission i don't <laughs> you don't but i'm happy to give it <laughs> so it, it it does happen that and this is so I'm gonna just go off of what you just said so it, it's okay in the application process the initial contact process mm-hmm. to ask the potential advisor or agent what's this gonna look like absolutely after you there, after there I should I be clarity between the advisor the agent and the client yeah and it's in everybody's best interest yes right? it's like i don't want false expectations in your end and right. i don't want false expectations of what you're gonna do i don't i don't want to imply something that you're expecting that is not clear i don't want i don't want to expect something from you that right that is not accurate and it's know. not a question i get a lot so I think it's good that we're raising I, it. I don't think that that's something that people ask often. Some people do. And so some ask it and then I'll respond then. For those that don't, I just bring it up and tell them like, once this is done, you know, we're going to go through, I think I mentioned earlier, we're going to have that, you know, common ground, essential understanding so that you're capable, whether I'm here or not. However, after that, you mentioned Leonard Reed died the night before he was going to give a speech at the age of 92. Nelson Nash, I mean, just a few weeks after he had gone to the think tank, right? 80, age 88, your own plan for how you're going to continue to work until I'm going to graduate God when says, God sees fit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And I'm going to work until then. Right. And I, so I intend to do the same thing. Sure. And so I'll, you know, if, 
God willing, I'll be here to have those calls. Right. But the nature of that relationship is independent and autonomous. You, I don't want, and I tell people straight up, and I don't know if this puts people off, and I don't <laughs> care, but it's like, you will not be dependent on me. Right. If I get mauled over tomorrow by some horrible, if I get coronavirus and I'm in the 0.01% of the people who get it who die. Listen, if you get hit by a bus or or mauled by a dog today, that is classified as corona. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So if I disappear, you know what, and hopefully I won't, probably won't, but you know what you can do, you know how to contact the company, you know how everything that you need to do. But then we can have, and then these conversations are just so wonderful, right? There are things in the business like those LinkedIn messages where I'm not compensated, right? And it it, it feels like someone's just ripping blood out of my bot. Like it's just so, it's just uncomfortable and I don't like it. And then there's other things that are uncompensated. Like for instance, a call with a client who, you know, we're well past that first year where life insurance agents get paid the commission, right? So we've got a, you know, it's a current premium paying client and they just want to talk. Mm-hmm. Right, I love those conversations. Sure, it, I get to hear what they're doing. I get to hear the the all the good news. It's like hey. almost <clears throat> always exactly. good news. Uh, I love that, sure. and that's what that can look like. And then you know when the brother in law is ready and the kids are ready, you know, bring them on. Um, but that's how <laughs> uh, that's what that looks like. That's what I tell my people. Right, and sure enough, I'm sure. Now all the agents who watch are going to adopt the same strategy. Well, well you know, <laughs> maybe that's what I do, and that's you know, listen. There's there's an awful lot of agents and advisors that that listen to and watch this. Thank you, and we appreciate the yeah. uh, participation. Um, some, you know, my daddy taught me is like you you can learn. Everybody will teach you something. Mm. Everybody can teach you something. Right? Some will teach you what to do. Others will teach you what not to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So Amen. I agree with you that uh, dependency is is not allowed. Right. We do not foster dependency at or or indulge it and at any level. Yeah. Right. We encourage and promote independence, right? But this is a learning process just because it's new or different. And so there's some educational uh, requirements, and, there, and, there, and it takes time. You know, there's an educational process, yeah. and we support that. And then uh, the office that, that, that in, in, in my practice, in this office, I mean, the, the people that answer the phone here on a daily basis – uh, they know what they're talking they know about. What they're talking I mean, about. they know what time it is. They knew who Nelson Nash was, and Nelson Nash knew who they were. Yeah. Um, and so we support our clients, right? And not to the point that it creates dependency because nobody really wants to be dependent. They don't. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, we have clients traveling around the world. They need things. I mean, we can get them done, we can right. help. Um, yeah. So I'm just saying that there is a relationship that exists, and it's a properly balanced relationship. You know, we're available for help to our clients in, within our scope. You know, we don't practice law. I know some of the best attorneys across the country don't practice tax uh, preparation 
or advice. Praise Jesus. Um, <laughs> know some really highly intelligent um, tax preparers. And so, you know, we we have the connectivity or the ability to refer out. I only practice within my abilities and capabilities. And then I only practice where I want to practice as well. If I wanted to practice something else, I would. Right. I don't want to. Right. And what in uh, very comfortable in if a client needs something outside of our abilities, we show them where they can obtain that. Mm. And oh my gosh, you talk about expectations and clarity and dependability and reliability. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is beautiful. It's a pleasant day every day when we engage with our clients. Yeah. And I don't know for the life of me why you'd want business any other way. Um, I don't know how these individuals in the financial world engage a client, sell a product, and then disappear. And it's been that way my whole career. There's, you know, an orphan account is common terminology in this industry. And that's a shame. Yep. Yep. That's a shame. What is that? Tell the people what that is. Oh, my gosh. A house account? Because I have, like, a confession about this. You have a confession? Yeah. Okay. Well, I way back in the day, Fortune 500 company, 1991, um, I was given, and I'm a young man, right? However old I was at then, I didn't have any clients. And so they're, like, giving giving me this big list of, of house accounts. And so back in the day, I'm knocking on the doors. I'm calling, telling them who I am and who I'm with and they're angry Mm. because they opened accounts they put a lot of money with these individuals in this particular company and and then they were totally forgotten you know an orphan account that's somebody opened accounts bought life insurance bought mutual funds whatever they purchased and then they were forgotten about evaporates yeah Yeah, the the individual out of business or doesn't care passes away maybe yeah, so that's what I mean by orphan account or house yep. account. And we don't have any. And I, it's not. We don't have any. As a matter of fact, exactly the companies right. that we engage with quite often, I mean, it's regular that we are asked, would you provide service yep. to this, would this individual or this individual? And, and so. That kind of it attaches to what I was talking about earlier with the people. I want who to hear are, the confession. That's what I'm getting to. <laughs> okay. The people who were, are presently engage with another advisor and I'm talking specifically about individuals who are already paying premium right they've already purchased a policy they're already is this inside or outside the infinite banking world or both both okay both uh and then they they discover the podcast or they they read my articles or something right probably the podcast (laughs) 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 they contact me and it's like I feel bad for them yes and you know, and I want to help, but the point is fast approaching, where it's too much, like in terms of the number of people. Yeah. And so I don't know. The confession is I don't know what to do in that. In all of those scenarios, like I'm not saying mm-hmm. don't ask for help. You should ask <laughs> for help, and we'll figure something out. Um, but there's also a business to run, and you know policies to put in force and clients to service sure. and all that you know uh well go ahead i don't want to interrupt you well there i there's got to be a 
there needs to be something there because that need is obvious and I think there's a lot of people who are, are in that bucket but they don't know what to do. Oh my gosh. They don't know who, where to go to get another opinion mm-hmm. or to find out how to manage the catastrophe that was put in place. Right. I'm uh, glad you brought this up. Listen, um, what we do, what I do, right, is we try to help everyone we can, but we're not able to help everyone. There's no question about that. But we help an awful lot of people. And and I'm glad you brought this up because it was either earlier this week or late last week. I get a big, long email. Red flag. All right. Um, and, and there's several reasons why that's a red flag, okay? This individual, upstate, up north, <clears throat> and he, 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 the, he shares a narrative, right? And then he, he sends all of his financials. He sends a ton of information, unsolicited. We didn't ask for it, right? He just sends it. Mm. And he says, James, I'm 69 years old. I'm unemployed. And I've got this much in assets, this much in income, uh-huh. um, and this much in expenses, and this much in debt. And he gives me a narrative. And he says... Um, I've engaged an advisor that's not you. And I recognize that I am not your client. I think this is not right. I think this is wrong. I don't know who to turn to. I've listened to an awful lot of your podcasts. That's why I'm reaching out. Would you please consider? And And it's like, oh my gosh. Okay, so then it pulls on your heart, right? And so, and I gotta add, y'all don't know that. I mean, the amount of time it takes to thoroughly review, oh my and gosh. then to put together like a crisis intervention plan is not insignificant. Mm-mm. You know, it, people don't see. I mean, we spend so much time focusing on the right way to go about things because this is the uh, an example of I think of what of how bad it can get when oh things gosh. go wrong. And you get some, and it's like, oh my gosh, this like, is what? What? How, what? Who could fix that? Oh my gosh! Well, I think I can. We can give a good shot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that, but the 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 the, the layout, what the, what this man has done, encouraged to do, and did, took advice to do, and he did, um, was just almost a mistake after mistake, and he's and he's right on the steps of making another mistake, and it looked like this in general terms. Um. When it costs you uh, a lot of money to get out of what you've done, and then it's going to cost you a lot more money to get into what we want you to have, and and the guy's like James, that just doesn't seem right to me. When you could go through the math and you could, you know, determine that yeah, it's going to be painful. But then the amount of sales that was involved with getting this individual to even consider this catastrophe was appalling. It really made me angry. It's like- That's why I get ticked off. Oh my gosh, the individuals that even participated in laying out that plan, uh, rebuked is not harsh enough, okay? But he, he says, well, James, but this, this guy or this individual was a, a practitioner and, he, and, and I looked in this particular state and I said, no, there's only one practitioner in your state and that guy did not do this. And I called him by name. He said, no, no, it wasn't him. And I'm like, well, then they're not a practitioner. Yeah, yeah, there was some other. 
heavily uh, marketed organization I know exactly that plays about. off of the infinite banking concept in Nelson's work. They use the terminology. Oh my gosh. And and so that just makes it even worse. Anyway, uh, my point being is you have to do your homework and there's a lot of things that could go wrong, but there's an awful lot of things that could go right if you do your homework and you engage with somebody right. that is intelligent. And it kind of gets to the theme of that that thing that you mentioned earlier from that guy who said, you know, what kind of service would you need after the sale of a policy? Yeah, right? and yeah, people yeah. think, oh, it's just life insurance. I mean, how what, what could go wrong? It, like, it would, but that's their <laughs> expectation. That's been their experience. This is an older gentleman who said that he's bought tons of financial products and has been ghosted. Yeah, so. You know, that's probably how he runs his business. I don't know. He didn't really make it through our process. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> well, and that, but that's you the know. point. So much can go wrong. Yeah. And it... And people don't know that so much can go wrong. And so I, I think the perception, this might just be in my own little head, but... The, I, I get the feeling sometimes that people might think that we're you know flying or that me in particular is flying off the handle on something that <laughs> where there's really nothing there you know but talking oh, about that whole oh. you know cre- doing the proper education reading the book understanding an illustration for what it is another part of the process current policy review I have clients who come from other advisors in the past who that sold them traditional products and you know they now see how infinite banking is superior and want to do that. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to do that. But I also want to see what else you've got because we need to inspect it for fatal flaws, right? Because once you're one of my people, I'm not going to hear about some unexpected financial catastrophe that we could have saw coming, right? Right. That's not going to go down. So part of that, part of my process too, is we're going to review what's already in place. And if anything's wrong, we're going to do what we can do to fix it. Uh, you can't give guidance without knowing where somebody is and what they want to do and what they have done, what they're trying to do. I mean, that's just part of correct. That might financial. be news to some in the business. I don't know. True that. But, uh, so it's important to be said. But you know, that's, okay. okay and point being, there's this process in place. We take all these steps. It's very intentional. It's laid out, thought out, uh, and then come the click funnels. <laughs> and the marketing programs well, and the scheme. Acquire a client for a hundred dollars. Oh, what's your click through rate? Right. I heard a well-known libertarian podcaster bragging about his uh, click through rate on his emails. Yeah, and he was just over the moon about forty-two percent. And I'm like, you don't even know what time it is. My, my, I write. You know how I write. I have a lengthy, systematic. Newsletter, monthly newsletter, Greg's Capital Strategies.com. It's free. Go get it. That's where I talk about plugs. <laughs> I mean, you should know about it. I don't see anybody else <coughs> at all, anywhere, talking about the economy in terms of the money supply the way that I do it. I just don't see that. And I've got, the, and in the last letter, I, back in July, long before Corona became a thing, I saw that correction coming, right? And so that's where you can go to get that kind of, and they're lengthy emails. Right, 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 right. My click-through rate put his in the dirt, and I don't even think about that kind of stuff, right? It's just, I'm just writing what I think needs to be out there, and you know, it's a good idea to go read it, and if you don't, it's not gonna hurt my feelings, right? But it's there for a purpose. Uh, I don't even think in that terminology. I had a conversation with a prospective agent, and, and he's like, yeah, you know, 
I don't even like the saying the words of client acquisition or onboarding, know, onboarding, yeah, or onboarding. You know, uh, your conversion rate or cost per. I don't even know what they are these days. I can't keep up with them. I don't want to keep uh, up with them. People will tell you if you listen to them. And so all I mean, of it continually marketing to us. Yeah, and it's like we're gonna drip enough information on you so that you're thirsty for more so that you can go one notch further down the funnel that, oh, is going to require an upcharge, by the way, right? Uh, I, I love the tripwire that's $1.99 for this. And by the time you get to the end of the, the multi-tiered layered funnel, you know, you're paying 15 grand for something. Legitimately, <laughs> what people pay for oh, oh my and gosh. what advisors and agents with a straight face will charge for that is standard practice for us is astonishing. I'm I'm just blown away. My hey, can would you be on my podcast to give me some legitimacy, please? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just a fair question, Mr. Griggs. I mean, you're young, attractive, knowledgeable, excellent writer. You know, PhD graduate student. Um, you know. <laughs> well, I do. I do. I like talking. There's other people's post podcasts. I'll be on. I gotta be careful. I don't endorse like an appearance on another show doesn't imply an endorsement, and that's not because I don't like. Can the I people. just use some of your video? It's just, oh, Can I white label some gosh. of your work? Can I just take your medium articles and like jazz it up and drop it in my newsletter? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I hey. just want to. That we've had, we've <laughs> had <a> no. <laughs> Facebook marketer again. This theme of marketing. Oh I mean, it's good that we've talked about what the advisor-client relationship should look like, and it's we've put so much. I mean, we're this is a substantial show. I mean, we've gone through that. I've been this told is, that we are setting the uh, the standard not, culture, huh? the culture for the infinite banking. I think that's true. And I don't, I don't and know that's what that means, but it sounds wrong good. With that. <laughs> I like it. I like the sound of it, you know? Okay, sorry. Uh, so, the, but we've had people who will, you know, take part of our book review and toss it in with this mashup with these other financial entertainer type people. And or the Banking with Life DVD, you know, Labor of Love. And it's only going to happen more, you know? And I don't have yeah. any, in, I have like negative interest in. No pun intended. Negative interest rate. Sorry. Economics <laughs> joke. <laughs> but I have no interest in spending time in that dark cesspool part of the universe, right? With those marketing manipulator people. I just not interested. And so I'm not going to hire an attorney and send out cease and desist orders. Oh, that was my story. Oh, so oh, the, part of this advisor client relationship thing, right? There's the lack of free speech. You can't use certain words, right? Well, every now and then one of these internet marketers feels compelled to go online and make a video or write an article disparaging Nelson Nash and the infinite banking concept mm. or dividend paying whole life in general. Okay. It's like a act of enjoyment for me. Like I take pleasure <laughs> in deconstructing that. Oh yeah. Okay. So I can't say the particular person's name and I can't say the particular, uh, acronym that they were juxtaposing towards the IBC, right? And I still get messages from fake e uh, fake social media accounts asking for this particular article that I wrote and put mm -hmm. on my blog where I went line by line. 
and deconstructed what this particular individual had said on a YouTube program, right? Mm -hmm. And I quoted, I played the video at half speed. I uh, transcribed verbatim what was said and put time marks for where the thing was being said. So anybody could go and verify that I wasn't- A lot of work. Uh, hours, right? And I was not straw manning. I, it was legitimate deconstruction, thousands of words, right? And because I'm this kind of person, I then put a link to my article on the YouTube comments for that video. Uh. <laughs> and about them, and, and the article, I shared the article around, people in the industry, people in the IBC community read it because other advisors had been hearing about this particular thing, didn't know what it was. The person promoting it didn't even know what it was. I mean, it was about as clear as mud. And so it's like, and that's fine. There's plenty of people who are wrong. I'm not going to spend all the time in the world correcting everyone. But when you start putting Nelson down, you, I will fly clean off the handle. And so I did. I took it apart. A month later, I get a cease and desist order <laughs> from the person's yep. attorney mm. out of state. They had attached not only a, a request, a request, a, a demand that I remove the article and not ever uh, share it around to anybody at all. Uh, and they also attached a, and this, I just, I thought it was hilarious. They attached a prior judgment that they had, that this particular law firm had won where, <laughs> I couldn't believe this, but in, the, in this particular judgment, the, circumstances of the case generally speaking was a individual had commented on a popular review website tearing apart this law firm about how mm. unethical they were and mm. all i mean going out obviously i don't know what was it, what i mean the person was not happy right so they this law firm sends me as a threat a judgment they got wherein the, in that particular case, the nature of the circumstances was that an individual was pointing out how unethical the law firm was. I'm like, you can't make that up. <laughs> and that's what you're using to threaten me with? Okay, well, come to find out. <laughs> I was, I mean, I was, I was a little shook at the time. This is my first one, I'm sure there will be more. But uh, <laughs> I don't mean to disparage it, but, and it wasn't disparagement, right? There was Ooh. not a single false thing. And in fact, in response, so, I'll go step by step here. My, uh, we need another episode. For it was no, we're good. <laughs> this is not the longest one yet. But <laughs> so this was a. It was uh, from a, a firm that was out of state, so not in Texas, and they were very specific how they were going to sue in that person's state, right? So the suit would be there, yeah. and so I'm seeing dollar signs, right? Of course, and like you said earlier, you can sue for anything. You, right? can. you can. The wind can blow the wrong way. You're going to sue somebody, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm. First of all, the idea of like backing down when I took painstaking efforts to ensure that every word was correct just made me want to do inappropriate. Like I, I was just very unhappy that I was thinking that the thing to do would be to back down on this. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's like I hear Nelson in my mind, you know, be the light, focus on the light. Right. I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to 
spend all the money and the time and get down in the mud with these morons. And so I didn't. So I took the post down. I also wrote a three-page letter <laughs> detailing how uh, abominable, false, and really in itself defamatory that the law firm's letter to me was mm. just so that it's on file. Mm -hmm. And I sent it by email and I printed it out and mailed it to him with like through the post office where you get the little yeah. re required return receipt yep. just so there's like a record. a record where every single line was refuted. So, you know, come back at me, you know, it, or don't. <laughs> Got a lot of good work to do, but uh, that's that is what goes on in is the that, industry. Is that your confession? What's the confession? That was my story. The confession was I didn't know how to help a lot of the people. <clears throat> oh, who, okay, yeah. I'm the, sorry. I'm I'm yeah. like crossing um, wires. Yeah, keep yeah. up. <laughs> that happens. But that's you know that's what goes on out there. And then and then I get to feeling like I'm doing something wrong because I'm pointing out the nonsense that goes out in the financial world and it's like no this is it needs to be said people there's you know, you know there, nelson i mean i don't know how many times he's like james you know um hey, what was that old song it's like um accentuate the positive decentuate the negative and stay away from mr in between you know and it's hard sometimes whenever you feel um you know, passionate about a topic yep. or about a subject, and it's being thrashed in in uh, less than honest terms. Oh my gosh! You know, and and quite most of the time on purpose. Now I can understand there's some ignorance out there, and I, I'm almost I'd rather see the ignorance, right? I can almost forgive ignorance if you don't know, you don't know. Right. But when you do know, and then you're going after it, and you're thrashing something that's right. I mean, I just. I've said it I don't know how many times. I don't wake up, you know, God did not appoint me as the IBC police today. Right. And I don't there's so much negative out there. I don't want to touch and get on it and be drug into it. Mm -hmm. You know, I do want to be the light. I want to show what is right and why it's right and be an example. And so that's why I get up every day and show up every Saturday to do these podcasts, you know, episodes. Yeah. Um mm -hmm. and two, let me say this that you know, all these hucksters out there that have the click funnels and I'm not even opposed to marketing. All right. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm a capitalist. I, I believe in marketing, mm -hmm. um, you know, to whatever extent. I mean, I'm glad that, you know, the things that we purchase, you know, we probably engaged or, or the recipient of some kind of a marketing effort. You know I mean? It's a world we live in. Can't even get away from commercials. My whole point being is this, <laughs> that when when you have all the click funnels and the tripwires and the and the low end front end offer and then the mid grade offer and then the higher end offer and then the higher end offer, I mean it it just it just speaks and feels uh, like I'm being manipulated. Yeah. It speaks of manipulation, and so here's what I have experienced over the last few years. Um, we started releasing videos that were not intended. They were not recorded for social media, right? They were just videos, uh, recording, presentations that I had done at different places, right? And we started releasing those. And so they probably would have been done different if they would have been produced for video <laughs> to be released. Anyway, um, so we've, we've gotten a lot of calls and a lot of engagement, you know, a lot of clients, a, a lot of interaction with 
clients, general public, and of all levels, even in the financial industry. And my whole point being is this. I don't have a click funnel. I don't have a marketing program. Yes, we have an email system that we have, you know, good content in that can be opted out of at any time, but there's no low end offer and higher end offer. We're just putting, advancing the idea, in my opinion, of this idea that you can become your own banker. Okay. And here's what I've come to see by observation in some relation with uh, peers across the industry. All right. Whenever you have all that marketing click funnel, here's a here's a weird presentation. Here's a really fancy, complicated, esoteric illustration, example, or presentation, and you got to click through this. Um, there's a certain mentality that is attracted to that. All right, and then when you're just talking conversationally about the infinite banking concept, economics, human action, a little, you know, just personal commentary. And there's enough where people can, there's over a hundred hours of video, right? People can look at video and, and pretty much tell what kind of young man you are. They can pretty much tell what kind of an individual I am. Mm-hmm. All right. There's no manipulation. You either resonate or you don't. Right. And there's a completely different type of person that engages Right, completely different mentality, and it's like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't pay for that. Manipulated. Oh my god, I, click I, funnels. Yeah. And, and and it's, I and I tell people in the industry, you know what? Just tell people who you are, what you do, and why it matters, and it's either going to resonate with somebody or it's not, and it's okay. God takes care of His children. You know, they will not be seen begging in the streets. So it's like. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I have, we're at like a minute. I don't know. It looks like we went all over the board on that one. No, I think that, I hope that was informative about the nature of the relationship. It's something we haven't really dove deeply into before. And I know there's a lot of questions and uh, the people who call often listen to all these episodes. So I think it's, it's good to have it out there. Perfect. Well, I had fun. Hope you did too. Um, Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Live free and independent. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.